taking dancing lessons. Wow. What kind of ballroom dancing yeah. or twerking or what? Well, he, the, our guy offered us that. He <laughs> did. And we said if we have time at the end. Yeah. I know. I kind of want to have a surprise twerk. I'm getting married in one month. Okay. What advice can you give me? Do a background check on my fiance is an attorney, though, so I think they might have already done a background check. You always want to do your own. There's various levels and types of background checks, so you would have to do your research. Sounds like you're telling me I should do a background check on the background check people. If you see a website, you know, there's all kind of colors, the font is large. What's the ideal professional font size? Courier. 12. What's the right amount of number of kids to have? Oh, well, I mean, I have a dear friend who has five kids, and I only have two kids, so I think yeah. it just depends. So two <laughs> For me. is the answer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you're watching Because you can each. Two. <laughs> you're waiting on your wife? That's awesome. What is she doing? Shopping? Yeah. I'm getting married in a month. How do you get them to stop doing that? <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Sometimes I'll go to like a baseball game. Yeah. The crowd will start to do the wave. And then it'll be like my turn to stand up. And I'm like, I really don't want to. But also, I'm a people pleaser. Oh, oh yeah. So can I just stay seated? No. No, no the wave's different. Oh, you can never end the wave. the wave. So I just have to do that. You have you to do the There's wave. There's some things you have to. Yeah. What else do I have to do? Pay taxes. So I have to pay taxes. I have to do the wave. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's easy. I can remember that. Well, good morning, Springs. All right. How's everybody? Everybody's good? Awesome. Well, whether you're watching online, you're here at the Ocala campus. Okay. At Southwest, or you are at the greatest campus in the history of campuses, the Villages campus. All right. My name, thank you, my lovely bride right here. All right. Um, my name is Mike Stortz, and I am the Villages campus pastor. I've been here on staff at the Springs for five years, and I started at the Springs like most of you just started attending. In fact, uh, I think we got a picture of my family uh, we're going to put up here. My wife, Ginger, and I have been married for 24 years. All right. Yes, she puts up with me for 24 years. We have a son, Solomon, who's 22. He just turned 22 two days ago. And next Sunday, he graduates from college. He's already got a job lined up and everything. Okay. And then my daughter, Hope, is 17. She's a junior at Leesburg High School. And can I tell you, we got the senior picture notification the other day and dad's heart was not ready. All right, was not ready. Woo, man. And uh, we, like I said, we started at the Springs like a lot of you. When my son was a junior in high school, um, Andrew Downey, associate worship pastor here at the Springs was a senior. And uh, we were looking for a new church and Andrew just kept inviting Solomon over and over again. You gotta come to Encounter at the Villages campus. You gotta come to Encounter. So finally, Solomon and Hope checked out Encounter and we anxiously waited that Wednesday night for them to get home and they came home and like, so what did you think? And they're like, we think it's okay. All right, we should go on Sunday. And the rest is honestly history, man. It's been so cool to see how God has worked and moved in my life, my family's life, and here at the Springs the last five years. 
In the first seven years Ginger and I were married, we lived in the West Palm area, all right? Um, so if you don't know anything about West Palm, it's known for a lot of things, but one thing is traffic. The church I worked at that we also attended was about 15 minutes from our house, it wasn't bad, but when you have a million people who live in Palm Beach County and they all own at least one car, right? That 15 minutes turned into 60 really quickly. Anybody else know the traffic life? Yes, I saw that hand quickly right there sir, you were living that life. All right. Yeah, man, I've been there. Right. So each morning I would get in the car and this was the early 2000s. Okay. Some of you remember this. Some of you weren't born yet and I'm still coping with that. It's okay. All right. But there was no smartphone with up to the minute traffic updates. Right. So I would get in the car and the first thing I would do is I would turn on the morning radio because that's where you got the traffic updates. And I was listening every morning. So it was a skilled drive, right? With my skills and traffic updates from my radio show host, I would navigate West Palm, avoid construction, avoid backups, avoid all that stuff, okay? And normally once a week in West Palm, there was a guy, he was a sky writer that would write messages like this in the sky. Jesus loves you, God loves you, different things, which were really great for the cars in front of me because they needed a reminder other than me because I was laying on the horn the entire time. Like, I can't tell you that Jesus loves you right now. I want you to move, but you can look in the sky, right? So one morning as I was starting my daily Daytona 500 to work, okay, I turned on the morning radio and the host was like sad. I was like, man, what's going on? And he informed us that the Skyrider had passed away. And man, they started this whole thing, this chain of phone call after phone call. They were so emotional and they were playing like the sad music and everything. People were crying. I was crying. All right, you put on a Disney movie five minutes in, I am in tears, even the Marvel ones, all right? And so I was crying, but luckily my windows were tinted so nobody else could see me. But people were saying stuff like this. I was headed to the hospital for more tests one morning, wondering if God even cared and I looked up in the sky. Or this, he's, uh, somebody else said, I asked God if he really loved me while I was driving home from the night shift and I looked up and I saw what he had wrote in the sky. They were emotional. It was moving. It was probably one of my like best drives to work ever because halfway through somebody called in and they said, this is unbelievable. Somebody has picked up his mantle and they're writing, Jesus loves you in the sky right now. And somebody else called in and said, I can see it. Like he might've died, but his legacy lives on. And right before I got to work, I could see it in the sky myself. There was one problem. The sky rider hadn't died. The next morning I got in the car to now a very apologetic radio show host who had checked the website the morning before at 5.30 a.m. and they reported that the wrong pilot had passed away. And the Skyrider tried to call in, but the phone lines were jammed. <laughs> so he was concerned that his neighbors and family and friends would be thinking about him. So he decided the only thing he could do was get up in the sky and write in it. But it was cool as they kept, they kept playing like after every song, this message from him saying, man, it was so good to know that what I was doing was making a difference in people's lives. You know, we've been in this series called You'll Be Glad You Did. 
the whole premise is, is that your future self wrote you a letter and sent it back to you. What advice would you give yourself? Think of the movie, The Lake House. All right. Some of you ladies maybe have watched this movie. All right. But without Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves and a fantasy romance, you're just writing yourself a letter. Okay. And sometimes I feel like knowing whether I'm on track or not, somebody would have to do something like happen to that skywriter. Somebody would accidentally have to report me dead and I would sit back and watch all the responses. All right. Or sometimes I wish I could be like the prophet Elijah. We've mentioned Elijah a couple times in this series already, but he was a prophet in the Old Testament and he had already picked a successor before he leaves the planet, okay? Now, people typically leave the planet through death, right? Sorry to be discouraging this morning, okay? But Elijah's not going that way. God's actually gonna take him to heaven alive. And that's a crazy story for another time. We're not gonna talk about that today, but he gets to pick his successor before God takes him away. And his successor's name is Elisha. So I think God picked these two names because he knew I would be standing here a couple thousand years later and I have a lisp, all right? And you get the joy of laughing at me as I say these two names for the next couple minutes, all right? So Elijah, Elijah is about to be taken away to heaven by God. And he turns to Elisha right before he's taken away. And this is what he says. He says, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elijah replied, Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. And Elijah says, you've asked for a difficult thing. This is gonna be tough. But if you see me when I'm taken away from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And the story goes on that Elisha witnesses Elijah being taken to heaven. And he actually goes on to perform 16 miracles where Elijah only performed eight, hence double share of your spirit. But sometimes I feel like I gotta be one of these two guys. Like either somebody like accidentally reports me dead like a skywriter, or I could pick my legacy before I leave the planet. Because a lot of times I feel like I'm guessing. I don't know about you, but I feel like, man, how do I know that I'm on the right track? Or like a guy at my men's group the other night, we finished men's group and he pulled me aside and said, hey, Mike, how can I know what I'm doing is what God wants me to do with my life? Or like I already mentioned, my son just graduated, about to graduate college, right? And man, I have those moments of like, did I teach him everything he needs to know before this next stage in his life? Or what Pastor Jacob talked about last week, right? I'm 43. I know I don't look it. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm 43. I don't, why was there laughing there? I'm not understanding. I don't care. All right. Um, I'm 43. My parents died at 86 and 87. Am I halfway done? Am I on the right track? Man, like all those different things are like last week. He also said like at the villages campus. Okay. My campus demographics a little bit different. All right. So he mentioned like, Hey, you have more life behind you then ahead of you, okay, that really hit home for us, all right? But how can I know I'm living those final years doing what God wants me to do and leaving a legacy? Does anybody else feel like that sometimes? A lot of hands, a lot of hands. That's what I thought. Here's the thing. I don't think God wants to keep us guessing when it comes to knowing if we're on the right track, if we know what we're doing is God's will for our life or if we're gonna leave a legacy. In fact, 
in the New Testament, he actually takes a couple verses. He uses a guy named Paul and he writes about how we can know this in the book of Romans. So if you got the Bible app, you can follow along with me there. Um, you also got note cards on your seat. You can follow along there as well. Just saying, if you doodle, all right, you remember more than the person just sitting next to you. Okay, I'm just gonna say that, all right? So we're gonna pick up in Romans chapter 12, verse one. And I'm gonna be reading from the message translation today. I am not a smart man, okay? So I need a version of the Bible that helps me understand it and it's easy to apply to my life. So I'm gonna be reading reading from the message. And this is how Romans 12 verse one starts. So here's what I want you to do. See, this is a summary statement for Paul. It sums up the first 11 chapters of Romans. See, Paul had never been to Rome. Actually, none of the early church fathers had been there. None of them. They were people like you and me who had heard about Jesus, decided to follow Jesus and had taken their faith with them to the city they lived in, which was Rome. And they started all these house churches and it became such an influential city that Paul decides to write them a letter. And the first 11 chapters are highly theological. What we believe and why. All right, I would encourage you, you get a chance, you need to read Romans. But in chapter 12, he shifts gears and he goes, hey, now I'm gonna talk to you practically. This is, what, this is how you live out what you believe. All right, so we're gonna pick back up here. And actually, before we do that, before we do that, I wanna give you a summary of the first 11 chapters of Romans. Pastor Ron said I could have as much time as I wanted. All right, so I'm gonna give you a summary of the first 11 chapters of Romans. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Right here it is. We broke our relationship with God. We broke our relationship with God. Jesus fixed our relationship with God. And we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. So I want you to keep that in mind as we jump in here to Romans 12, verse one. So check this out. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. Amen. Any lady that was at if gathering yesterday, amen. All right. You're eating. That's a double amen for me. All right. Going to work. Oh, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Here's the first takeaway I see in this passage for us is we need to accept God's help. We need to accept God's help. See what Paul is saying to them and saying to us is that God wants to be involved in your everyday life. Now, listen, as soon as I said to that, some of you are doubting it. You have listened too much to negative voices in your life. God wants to be involved in your life every single day. What you do every day is not insignificant. You matter to God and he wants to be involved in your everyday life. I don't care whether you work blue collar, white collar, no collar, God wants to be involved in your life. And here's the thing, as much as we dread it, I don't even mention it because we're all in a good mood right now. All right. Well, maybe most of you are, I'm not for sure. Okay, Monday's coming. You didn't wanna hear that, did you? Right, I'm so, I am so sorry, I'm so sorry. Right, Monday's coming. 
And listen, I don't know about you, but for me, me trying to Monday on my own without God normally leads to a bad day. All right. In fact, I found out this morning, I couldn't even Sunday without him. All right. So before I came here to the Ocala campus, I live in Leesburg. We get donuts from Donut King. Unbelievable. All right. So I picked up the donuts. When I pulled up to Donut King, it was a monsoon. And I have a golf umbrella in my truck. It's the size of this stage. All right. So I get out of the truck. I try to go in the front door. Nobody else is there. The workers are watching me. Umbrella doesn't go through the door. I leave the umbrella. I go in. I have 10 dozen donuts, right? Nine of those are for me, one for the campus. All right. And I pick up a couple dozen donuts. I go back to get my umbrella. My umbrella has decided to fly down the street. So this is a true story. So I run down the street, get my umbrella, holding donuts, go to the truck, walk back inside, try to repeat the process. And the lady goes, why did you park all the way down there? And I said, I didn't. I said, my umbrella has a free will and it decided to go that way, right? Listen, I found out this morning, me trying to do life on my own without God doesn't go so well. And maybe it's the same thing for you. Because a lot of times when we try to live life without God, we end up looking like trapped monkeys. Have you guys ever heard of how a farmer used to catch monkeys in other countries when they were like a nuisance on their farm? See, what a farmer would do is they would take a coconut and they would hollow out a hole in that coconut just big enough for the monkey to get their hand in. And then they would put a treat inside of that coconut, some rice, some fruit, whatever it was. And the monkey would stick their hand in there and grab onto that treat. But the problem was the monkey became so fixated on what was in the coconut, they came oblivious to everything else around them and they were trapped. So the farmer could literally walk up and pick up the monkey, throw a net over a monkey and take the monkey away so it wouldn't be a nuisance and keep eating their crops. Can I ask you a question today? What are you holding on to so tightly that you're oblivious to what God wants to do in your life? Like some of us in the room, man, we've, like we've held on to the corporate ladder and you climbed it. But when you look around with people to celebrate, you look back down and every relationship you have, you've left it in a wake. Or maybe you've been holding on so tight to relationships. I have this conversation a lot at my campus, like parents who have adult children, like they're trying to hold on to that relationship. Their kids have like walked away from faith and they're trying to bring them back. But the more they try to hold on, the further their kids push away. Maybe you're just trying to make it through the day like me. But the harder you try on the, your own, the more trapped you feel, especially when you're dealing with addiction. Can I make a suggestion today to try something new? Let go. Accept God's help. You'll be glad you did. Now, some of you in the room might be thinking to yourself, Mike, I've asked God to help me so many times and I'm still struggling every single day. I think what Paul goes on to say in this passage next will help you. Let's continue in Romans 12, one and two. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. 
you'll be changed from the inside out. Here's the second thing I see for me and for you is we need to fix your attention. See, Paul wrote this and Paul wasn't writing to say, hey, you gotta be like anti-culture, right? Go join a monastery, okay? Live in a hole, whatever, all right? He's not saying that and I'm not saying that. Paul understood that these followers of Jesus would leave their home every day into a culture that had different values in them. And God wanted to work in them and through them to reach people in that culture who were far from God. The same for us but we have to be so careful that once we accept God's help, that we don't become well adjusted, adjusted or influenced by culture. What does that look like? All right, I wanna give you a couple examples to start with. They're a little funny, okay, but I'm just gonna show them, all right? Okay, you guys ready? Ladies, you're up first. This is a Stanley Cup. Some of you are very excited. Guys in the room are super confused right now because all they know is dudes skate on hockey things and like, I don't watch hockey. You think that's a, this is a real Stanley Cup, gentlemen. Let me tell you, okay? Ladies, you know all about this. I've already curled this a couple times in the first service and the lactic acid is built up. I can't do very many reps because this thing is heavy. If you fill this up with water and ice, you can skip the gym for the day. All right, and if you drop this on your toe, you need to be concerned for your whole foot. All right, and man, I heard if gathering yesterday was unbelievable. And Pastor Ron is gonna talk about it more in a minute, but I tell you, my first thought was, if we gave every single one of you ladies in the room, 536 of you Stanley Cups, we could release you in a small country and you could take it for the Springs, right? For the Lord and for the Springs, boom. Like this thing is serious. Gentlemen, you are not off the hook, all right? Okay. Guys, Patrick Mahomes lied to you. These things do not look good, all right? If you and a buddy went to a store, you went to Sunglass Hut and you walked out with these, he did it so he could laugh behind your back, all right? Somebody thought it was a good idea to shrink car windshields and put them on our face. When I first got these and I put them on, I was like, I, I sprinkled water on them because I wanted to see if they had automatic wipers. <laughs> they don't, I was disappointed, all right? Listen, these are just some funny examples, but we can be influenced easily by culture if we're not careful, right? Because here's, here's what culture wants to say to us. Culture says to us, do whatever you want. Do whatever you wanna do. And that sounds really great at first until it leaves us empty or full of regret, right? Like you're in that relationship and you listen to culture, do whatever you want. And now you, you're left with no relationship and a lot of regrets. Or you've done whatever you wanted financially, right? Do whatever you want, put it on a card. And now you got more months at the end of your money every single month and you don't know what to do. You feel trapped. Or maybe you listened to culture and you had the job and you do whatever you want. Don't take that stuff at work. And you lost a job, you lost a career, you worked so hard to build. But see, here's what Paul tells us to do as a Christ follower is to love God and do whatever you want. 
Now for some of us in the room, that's like, that's amazing. I can come to church this morning and I can rob a bank this afternoon. That is not the point. See, I wanna use a passage from the Old Testament, Psalm 37.4 to help you understand this idea, right? It says this, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart or your heart's desires. See, as we start to take the light in God, as we fix our attention on God, he starts to do something inside of us in our heart and mind, right? He starts to do something in our heart and mind and it lines up our heart and mind with God's heart and mind. And that's how we take the light in the Lord and get our heart's desires. In fact, go back and read it in Romans 12, one and two, right? Don't become so well-adjusted to culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. As we accept his help and we start to fix our attention on him, God does something in us and through us. But here's the thing. Sometimes we only do that today. And we don't do it again till next Sunday. And we wonder why we're more like the culture around us and not as much like God. We have to start fixing our attention on God daily. See, there's, there's a couple things I do first thing in the day. And one of them is, one of them is this. I open up my phone to my calendar and tasks, right? And I say, hey, like God, this is what I'd like to do today, right? but I need your help, all right? I, you're the boss, God, not me. Like whatever you wanna do. And I'll look through all my tasks and calendars for the day. Your will be done, not mine, right? And then there's like that calendar event on there that we all dread, okay? Cause Harry from accounting is gonna be in that meeting. And I wanna lay hands on Harry in a special way. I wanna strangle that man, right? You've been there, that's why you're laughing, okay? Right? And that's where you say, God, in that meeting, I need you to show up in my life. I need your help. Help me love Harry like you love Harry, not the way I feel about him. And then the second thing I do, the second thing I do to help me fix my attention on God is I open up the Bible app. Just what we take notes on, right? And every day you can download the Bible app, it's free, make an account. And the first thing you'll see is this home screen every single day. And it's got a daily refresh every morning on there. It's got a verse that you can walk through, it gives you a couple thoughts about one verse of scripture. It's gonna take you about five minutes. Right? And then it gives you some guided prayer time. This one here on this day says, need a moment with God. Five minutes of guided prayer tells you, hey, pray for these things in your life. It's gonna take you 10 minutes tops, 10 minutes. We can start to fix our attention on God. He can start to change us inside out. And here's the thing. Some of you are thinking, I don't have 10 minutes. You're right. You don't, you gotta make 10 minutes. You gotta want it. When we accept God's help and we fix our attention on God, we'll be glad we did. And then Paul goes on to say in this passage that what God wants to do in us as we do these two things is he wants to make us spiritually mature. Check this out. Romans 12, one and two, readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. See, as we start to fix our attention on him, man, God starts changing us and we can start seeing how he's working and moving around us and we can respond. We can respond in our family. We can respond at work. We can respond in relationships to what God's doing. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. Man, I think all of us in the room would say, man, I wanna be at my best. 
this passage says, if we do these things, God will bring out the best in us. That's what he wants to do is bring out the best. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Here's the last thing I see in this passage for us is we got to live your legacy. Live your legacy. See, as we do these things and God starts to develop this maturity in us, we start to live a legacy. As a dad, um, I prayed this prayer over my kids for a lot of years and I didn't tell them. I didn't want to put pressure on them. I just wanted to see how God was going to work and move in their life. And man, I'm super proud of Solomon and Hope just how God's worked and moved. But the last couple of years, I told them um, that all of my prayer, my biggest prayer for them was that they would be further along in life at the age they were at than when I was that age. See, I didn't grow up in church, right? My wife went to church nine months before she was born, okay? Um, But I didn't. Some of you will get that joke in the parking lot. It's okay, it's all right. Um, I didn't, I didn't start going to church till I was like 16, 17 years old. And I made some bad decisions. Culture had dragged me down. Right? So man, one of my prayers were, were, was like, God, like, I just want to see this in my kids. You know what I realized after I was praying that for a few years? If I wanted to see that in my children, if I wanted to leave that kind of legacy, I needed to live that kind of legacy right now. I needed to live it. And Paul understood that too. See, Paul wrote this letter to these Roman Christians. And at that time, there were only about 25,000 Christians on the planet. 25,000, that's a good estimate, you know, what they say historically. But about 100, that was around 60 AD. Around 200 AD, there are 250,000 Christians walking the earth. And the crazy number is 50 years later. 200 years after he wrote the letter, there's a million Christians on the planet. You know why? Because they all lived a legacy to the people around them. And they started following Jesus. And there was this crazy growth that happened in the body of Christ. We have to live a legacy. We'll be glad we did. And you know, a lot of times I get to spend time with people when they're like at the end of life, they're about to leave that legacy behind. And it is not easy, but man, it is an honor and a privilege to spend time with them and their families. And I will tell you most of the time I spend with incredible people, man, at some point they accepted God's help, right? Like that's like these folks who got baptized this morning. They said, Hey God, I need you in my life. Right. And then they fixed their attention on God and they lived the legacy before they left one, man, just this last year, I walked into the room one day and this gentleman, godly dude, he looked at me and he said, Mike, pray me home. That's powerful. It also really stressed me out because I didn't know what was about to happen when I prayed, right? But man, those, I think we all want to get to that point where we're leaving that kind of legacy behind. We won't want to be there. But I think some of us in the room today, some of us in the room, like we're full of regret. You don't have to stay there. I would do you a disservice. I didn't tell you there are some times when I spend time with people who have lived a life full of regrets, that they broke relationships with those closest to them and they never tried to fix them. Or man, they had made decisions. They wished that they could go back and change them, right? They wished they could write a letter to their younger self and say, do things differently. Man, if you're in the room today 
and you're feeling like that, like, man, I need to know that God is with me, that you matter to him, that he wants to be involved in your everyday life. You can walk out of this room today knowing that. I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer. You can pray it with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, just between you and God. But man, we wanna come alongside of you and help you take the next step in that relationship with him. Let's bow our heads together. It's just a simple prayer. It just goes like this, God, I need your help. Thank you for sending Jesus Jesus, thank you for living and dying and raising again. So the relationship I had with God that was broken is now made whole. God, help me to fix my attention on you, not just today, but every day. And God, thank you. Thank you from this day forward, I can begin to live a legacy for you. I give you my life work and move in and through me in an incredible way. Amen.